A very blessed Sunday to one and all. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? If you are, let's just wave at one another. Wonderful. So glad to gather really in the name of our Lord, just to worship God, to hear His word, to come to Him in prayer, and really to offer our very best, our sacrificial best this Sunday. Shall we go to God in prayer? Let's commit the preaching and the hearing of His word to Him. Lord, thank you for the privilege of gathering as your people to worship. And Lord, we give you thanks for your word. Your word is the source of all life. Grant us the grace to not just hear, but to be doers of your word. Purify our hearts and purify my lips. As we commit this time to you, O Lord. For we ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. Last Sunday was Stewardship Sunday. Pastor Jim Hart spoke about the stewardship of our lives, the gifts and talents that God has given us. And today is Pledge Sunday. So allow me to focus on the stewardship of giving. By that, I mean our financial giving. My friends, the first statement I want to make is that giving, our financial giving, is an essential part of our intentional discipleship. So why should we give? What are some reasons and motivations that we give to the Lord? Truth is, there are different types of givers in the church. First, there is the investor. Where giving to God is an investment. Where through the utterly wrong teachings of prosperity gospel, there are some who believe, oh, if I give 10% to God, God is going to multiply it tenfold. Financially, they believe that it's the best investment approach that they can do better than any form of investment scheme. That's utterly wrong, my friends. Second, there some people believe that giving is a way of atonement, where they give to atone for the wrongdoings or to pay for God's forgiveness. Then there is the bargainer, where giving is to elicit an agreement with God. God, if I give you this much, you got to bless me this much. If I give you this much, you got to heal me. If I give you this much, you got to bless my children. That's the bargainer at work. Then there is the one who gives out of obligation. 10%, okay, pastor, you said, the word of God says it, it's an obligation. 10%, I will just give. And finally, there is what we call the leftover. What's left at the end of the month? Lord, I will give that to you. Truth be told, I believe that our motives for giving are often mixed. And today, we need to go back to Scripture to examine what would be the right spiritual posture for our giving. And I've chosen 1 Chronicles 29, a beautiful passage that speaks about the posture of giving. And here's the context. 1 Chronicles 29 is the time where King David desired to build a house for the Lord. But God told him, David, it will not be for you to build the temple It will be for your son, Solomon, to build the temple. And so David did the next best thing. He began to make preparations for what was needed to build the temple. Now, my friends, the king had several options to build the temple. Number one, he could have imposed a tax, a compulsory form of giving for a public project. Number two, he could have made a very attractive offer to the Israelites. Anyone who gives, I will give you a tax rebate. I will give you a benefit, an exemption. Thirdly, he could have made an investment on the reserves that Israel had. And mind you, by the time of King David, Israel was prosperous. Israel was doing well. He could have 
involved in more trade. He could have built up the reserves to build the temple of God. But David did not do any of these three. Instead, this is what he did. And we're going to read First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 1 to 20. Now, if you notice around you, the pew Bibles are back, right? Some of those of you who wish to refer to a hard copy Bible, it's found on page 386 and 387. Remember those times when you flipped the Bible? 386 and 387 of the Peel Bible. But those of you who prefer to follow along, it's on screen. And the portions that are highlighted in red are for all of us to read together. Is that alright? So I'll read the parts in black, and you join me for the portions in red. First Chronicles 29, verse 1 to 20. King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, whom God alone has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great, for the temple will not be for mortals, but for the Lord God. So I have provided for the house of my God, so far as I was able, the gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, and the bronze for the things of bronze, and the iron for the things of iron, and wood for the things of wood besides great quantities of onyx and stones for setting, antimony, coloured stones, all sorts of precious stones, and marble in abundance. Moreover, in addition to all that I provided for the holy house, I have a treasure of my own, of gold and silver. Because of my devotion to the house of my God, I give it to the house of my God. 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of Ophir, 7,000 talents of refined silver for overlaying the walls of the house and for the work to be done by the artisans. Gold for the things of gold and silver for the things of silver. Who then will offer willingly, consecrating themselves today to the Lord, together now? Then the leaders of ancestral houses made their free will offerings, so as did also the leaders of the tribes of Israel the commanders of the thousands and of the hundreds and of the officers over the king's work. They gave for the service of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord into the care of Jehoiah the Gashonite. Then the people rejoiced because these had given willingly, for with single mind they had offered freely to the Lord. King David also rejoiced greatly. Then David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, forever and ever. Together now, yours, O Lord, are the greatness the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and on the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and it is in your hand to make great and to give strength to all. And now, O oh God, we give thanks to you and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And what is your people? What is my people that we should be able to make this free will offering? For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. For we are aliens and transients before you, 
as were all our ancestors. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no hope. Together now, O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. I know, O God, that you search the heart and take pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I freely offered all these things. And now I have seen your people who are present here, offering freely and joyously to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham is Isaac and Israel, our ancestors. Keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts toward you. Grant to my son Solomon that with single mind he may keep your commandments, your decrees and your statutes, performing all of them, that he may build the temple for which I have made provision. Then David said to the whole assembly, Bless the Lord your God. And all the assembly blessed the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and bowed their heads and prostrated themselves before the Lord and the King. And this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. What a long passage of reading. But I believe that, the, that we are blessed when we read the word of God. Amen. First, this passage of scripture, I believe, would have gone down as the most spectacular pledge service. Translated into modern terms, the people of God pledged and gave 170 tons of gold, 340 tons of silver, and over 600 tons of brass and 3,400 tons of iron. The value today would have been staggering. But it's not about the amount that I'm going to preach about. It's about the posture of giving that I want to focus on. So what shapes our spiritual posture? From this scripture text, and as you go down the scripture text, there are three key elements that would shape our spiritual posture for giving. Firstly, high vision. High vision. Give because God is great. David admitted that. He says in verse 1 and verse 2, The work is great. For the temple will not be for mortals, but for the Lord God. So I have provided for the house of my God so far as I was able. My friends, you must understand that the ancient people of God had a high vision of the greatness of God. In verse 10, David proclaimed, Blessed are you, O God. Yours is the greatness, the power, the victory, and the majesty for all that it is in heavens and earth are yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted. See, my friends, the temple they were about to build is not for men, but for this great and mighty God. In Psalm chapter 4, verse 6, the temple is described as the holy habitation of the Most High. It means that the ancient Israelites regarded the temple as the place where God would come and dwell with His people. Of course, a building cannot contain God. But they believe that God comes and dwells with them through the physical structure of the temple. And so the temple was a symbol of God's presence. It pointed to the reality that all creation is God's temple. And so it's important to understand, to grasp why did the Israelites give so much to the temple of God. It's not about the building. It's about the builder, the true builder. It is God himself. And with this vision... The temple will be a place of prayer and worship. The temple will be a place of offering sacrifices for the atonement of sin. 
The temple will be a place where the faithfulness of God is celebrated with festivals like the Passover, the Pentecost, the Tabernacles. The temple was a place where children were dedicated. The temple was a place where justice was carried out when the Sanhedrin sat in trial against all who committed crimes. In essence, the temple is the place where because God's presence comes, men were able to connect with God. And in that connection, there will be healing. There will be forgiveness of sins. There will be peace as God is worshipped and exalted. Here's the principle. When the ancient ancient people of God, when they gave, it was always with a high vision of who God is and what happens when He comes in His presence and dwells with His people. The temple attested to God's glory and greatness. That is why they gave willingly and wholeheartedly. They were giving to Yahweh, the covenantal God, the builder of their lives, and not just the building. Today, the same principle must apply. When we give, we must be first captivated and compelled by this high vision of this great God that we worship. Amen. When we give to the church and her work, we are saying, God, it's not about how big or how great the church is. It's about you. It's about how great you are. And through our effort, our initiatives, our programs, Lord, we we pray that your presence will come. Your presence will bring salvation. Your presence will turn hearts to you. Your presence every week as we gather in your name will lead us into deeper discipleship. We are praying, God, to the church, let your presence heal. Let your presence comfort. Let your presence transform lives. Our giving is never to a more beautiful building, but to glorify the most beautiful God. This is the high vision. It is for the glory of God that we give. And because it is for the glory of God, you can trust that God will use it for the glory of His purposes. In 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6, the Apostle Paul declared, whoever sows generously will reap generously. Now this verse is not about material blessings, but about a spiritual harvest. It is God who grants the harvest. We just have to be responsible and faithful to sow through our giving. It is with such a posture, a high vision of who God is, that I present to you the budget for the church in the coming year. If you have read our pledge letter, our projected operating budget, our operating expenditure is 19.6 million. I must be honest with you, church, that it has gone up from 18.4 million last year. And this 16% higher budget is due to the rising costs. We all experience that, right? Wonton mee is more expensive today. Due to the rising costs really beyond our control. And with this depreciation costs, we are actually looking at a budget deficit of about 2.5 million. But church, I'm trusting for God to provide. I'm trusting in the high vision of God. And I want to be honest and comfortable to you that if you look at our budget on the left, you will see that for church programs, outreach programs and projects, that's 51% of our budget. On the right, at the top, you will see this called, this section called track commitment. Together, it's 70% of our budget, church budget, that goes towards programs, initiatives, that goes towards discipleship and outreach to make more disciples. 
right here in Singapore and beyond. I want you to understand that the heart of what we do, what we do as Wesley Methodist Church is always to raise disciples, is to allow our children and next generation to encounter God. What is this track commitment, you may ask, for those of you who do not know? For every member in Wesley Methodist Church, we have about 7,500 members on paper. For every member, come August, each of us, each of these members, we will pay $495. Whether they attend church or not, we will pay $495. And this large amount, which is about $3.44 million, will go towards track to pay the salaries of the pastors in track, to fund the track programs, to help our Christian ministry staff in schools. My friends, we are truly poised to be a blessing beyond us as an individual Methodist church. But as a conference church, we are committed to help the Methodist church thrive and make disciples of all nations. Now, people have often said, Wesley is a very rich church. My friends, I want you to know that we are blessed indeed. But we are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to steward what God has given to us. And all glory to God because of this high vision of who He is and what He's going to do in and through us. Can I hear an amen to that? Because that is the starting point for a posture of giving. It starts not with how much I can give, but it starts with who God is and how worthy He is. From a high vision, it must lead to humble privilege. Because of how great God is and therefore how Unworthy we are, but yet we are privileged to give. We are privileged to give what already belongs to the Lord. David made it very clear. Down the passage, verse 14, he says, But who am I? Who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to make this free will offering? For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. David recognized the privilege to give to give of what already belongs to God. And if you think about it, when you recognize you actually own nothing, but everything you have really belongs to God, and He's the actual owner, then to be able to take a portion of what is the owner's and offer it as a gift to Him, now I think that's a privilege. That's a privilege, my friends. When you understand the heart and nature of God, then it amazes us that we have the most generous God, God who did not spare His Son, but gave his son for us all, will he not give us all things? By that, I mean all spiritual blessings. My friends, no matter how much we think that we have given to God, we can never outgive God. We can never outgive God. Because our God is a self-giving God. Think about it. To be able to give, actually, is a reflection of the image of God. It's to partake in the essence and in the nature of God. To be able to give is to be like God in some ways, to take on the very nature of God. So what a privilege it is to give, whether of our finances, our time, our effort. Billy Graham, the great evangelist, he puts it rightly. He says God has given us two hands, one to receive, the other to give with. We are not cisterns made for hoarding. We are channels made for sharing. And if we fail to fulfill this divine duty and privilege, we have missed the meaning of Christianity. How true that is. 
Let's not miss the meaning of what being a true Christian is. It is on one hand to receive from the Lord. It is on the other hand to give to the Lord. And let's remember God's grace in our lives. This is such an important point. We give because of God's grace. Let's not take that for granted. Let us remember that we had deserved spiritual death. But because God loved us, God poured out His extravagant grace. It's why you and I are seated here today to be able to worship Him and encounter Him. My friends, did you know that King David knew this grace? He had committed adultery with Bathsheba. He plotted the murder of Uriah. Then he took Bathsheba as his own wife. He had violated the holiness of God and God in His grace pardoned and restored David. And so in Chronicles 29, David understood the privilege to give because he first received the very grace of God. Let's humble ourselves to acknowledge how privileged we are to be able to give back to the Lord only because He first loved us and gave to us. Finally, the last element of a posture to give is honest devotion. Where you give with integrity of heart. David knew that. In verse 17, right at the end of our scripture reading, he ends off by saying, I know my God. You search the heart. You take pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. And now I've seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. How's your heart today? How's your heart when it comes down to giving? David offered an honest devotion. He told the Lord, Lord, I provided for your house. I provided with my own resources. I have not held anything back. His motive was pure. It was selfless. Now, I knew that David must have felt the pain and disappointment. He wanted to build the temple, remember? But God says, no, it's not for you to build. It's for your son to build. Just like Moses, he must have felt the same when he couldn't enter the promised land despite leading the people. But yet David continued to freely and willingly give because it's never about his personal agenda, but it's about the high vision of who God is. That's why he told the Lord, Lord, look at me, look at my heart. Come on, Lord, check my heart. Nothing to hide, nothing to fear. I've freely given. My actions have proven my devotion. In fact, verse 9 tells us that the people rejoice greatly because joy is an expression of their devotion to God. My friends, let our giving be that honest devotion to God. The Apostle Paul echoes this posture in 2 Corinthians Second Corinthians 9, verse 7. It says, So let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, not out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Remember Jesus? Jesus commended a poor widow who gave all that she had, a few coins, but that's all she had. But she gave out of devotion. Jesus was not impressed with the large gifts of the rich because they had much left over. Mark chapter 12, verse 41 to 44. The widow gave out of devotion, but the rich gave out of convenience. My friends, let's give out of a devoted heart to God. I recall I used to visit this homebound. And every time after the visit, after serving her communion, praying with her, spending time with her, as I take my leave, she would quietly come to me 
and slipped her pledge envelope for the month to me. And in it is $10. That's all she can afford for the month. But when she gave, when she looked, and I looked into her eyes, I could tell the love that she had for the Lord. She may not be able to come to church, but she's praying at home for us. She's praying for us. She's with us in spirit. And through her giving, I can see her love for the Lord. No wonder Mother Teresa puts it right. It's not how much we give, but how much love we put into our giving. My friends, today, would you give from the bottom of your heart and not from the top of your purse? Remember this. Would you give from the bottom of your heart and not the top of your purse? Well, let's check our hearts today. Have we been holding back? Have we been truly sacrificial in our giving? And that's the key point for devotion, right? It costs you something. Or have we just given to God out of convenience? What is left over? May the Spirit check our hearts as the Spirit has checked my heart. Truth is, I don't earn much as a pastor. But it is enough. It's always been enough. And God has met my needs and my family's needs in surprising ways, in ways beyond my expectations. And as a pastor, I'm challenged to also be sacrificial in my giving, not just the giving of my time, my effort to ministry, the giving of my finances. And I know that today some of us here are blessed because we are able to pledge more. While some of us here, because of our financial situation, we are not able to pledge as much. But the issue is never the amount. The issue is the honesty and the integrity of our hearts. Today, my friends, are we giving God what is right or what is left? What is left over? Are we giving to God what the Spirit is truly telling us to give? And perhaps as I close this message, the real question is this, my friend. What is your treasure? Where is your treasure? Every year as we pledge, would you make your giving a treasure check? Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is, there is your heart. Whether you are laying up treasure on earth is tested by your willingness to part with that treasure. And may I add, finally as I close, let your lifestyle enable and not hinder giving. Let your devotion to God show forth in your lifestyle. Truth is, my friends, Sometimes we need to simplify our lifestyle so that we can be in a position to give sacrificially when the situation demands. If our lives are so cluttered and we load on more commitments and accumulate more debt, and we know what that means, there is very little room to give sacrificially when the situation calls for it because we are so bogged down, we are so tied up. My hero is John Wesley. Because John Wesley once said famously, Earn all you can. Save all you can. Give all you can. John Wesley is my hero. He started his career as a pastor. He was an Anglican priest, by the way. He earned 30 pounds. He needed 28 pounds to live, so he gave away 2 pounds. Now, at the end of his career, 40, 50 years of being an Anglican priest, he, at the end of that career, he earned 120 pounds. But guess what? He still only lived on 28 pounds. And whatever pounds that he had left, you can imagine 
He gave away to the poor. He gave away to the needy. John Wesley truly exemplified what it means to earn all you can, to save all you can, and to give all you can. My friends, I'm not asking all of us to be like John Wesley. But I am appealing to all of us to look at our lives. To ask ourselves, are we able to give when we truly want to? Are we so tied up that sacrifice in giving is no longer possible? Friends, may the Lord tutor our hearts today. And as I close, let's be encouraged that the people of God, the ancient Israelites in First Chronicles 29, they have set an example what it's, what it's like to be willing to be sacrificial. My friends, David didn't just say, who is willing to give to the Lord? David actually asked, who is willing to consecrate himself to the Lord? Today's sermon is not just about the giving of finances. It's a reminder of our God, from God, for us to consecrate ourselves. Consecrate is a highly technical term used in the Old Testament. Consecrate is used for the ordination of priests, where there is a strong devotion, where there is strong dedication. My friends, today is the same call for each of us. Our giving is not to an organization. Our giving is not out of charity. Our giving is undergirded by a high vision of who God is and what He can do with our five loaves and two fishes. Our giving is an expression of a humble privilege. What a privilege it is to give what already belongs to God. Our giving is an expression of our honest devotion where our hearts are right we give because he first gave to us. Today you're going to come to the table. Would you receive that means of God's grace to be his faithful disciples as you give? Will you join me in prayer? Let's respond to God's word. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Come, Holy Spirit. Reveal your truth to us. The truth of who we are. The truth of who you are, O God. You are great and glorious. And so Lord, forgive us when we are not willing to part with what is really yours. Forgive us when we have not been generous And you, Lord Jesus, you have been so kind and good to us. Help us this day to give sacrificially, to give wholeheartedly, to give joyfully, knowing that it is a blessing to give. Knowing, Father, the high vision of who you are, the great God that we worship, O Lord, we will reap a spiritual harvest for your kingdom because of who you are. And so God, let our pledge be the expression of our faith and our trust in you to provide for us. As we seek first your kingdom, all the things that we need will be given to us. Father, we cling on to this promise. Grant us the grace of giving. And as we come to your table, grant us your grace to be your good and faithful servant and steward. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.